Assalamu alaikum, this is Moeen from Pakistan and this is the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast. Follow my travels at adifferentagenda.com or adifferentagenda on Facebook. Allah Hafiz. This is Farooq. And this is Raju from Pakistan. And this is the Motorcycles Misfits. Welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits at the Recycle Garage here in Santa Cruz, California. But for the moment, we're going to travel far away from Santa Cruz. Because tonight, we're doing the Pakistan cast. Hey! I know, everyone's been waiting for this. I've been holding back the stories. So I brought in a whole bunch of people that share their stories too so tonight in the garage this is liza running the board we got zach i exist over in the corner we stuck knock yay (laughs) (laughs) next next to me i got eason hello then we got tyler first timer greetings hey rebecca coming back hi again and scott present then we got Jim S. Assalamualaikum. Assalamualaikum. Was that close? No. no, that's enough for jazz. No. <laughs> the intent was there, though. Was... We got Jimmy. Assalamualaikum. There it is. Yay. <clears throat> and in the peanut gallery, we have Philip. Hello. There you go. <laughs> and this kitty. Yeah. So, just to recap, um, let's see, in September, Ethan and I and a few other people went to Pakistan. And then at the end of September, Yes. Uh, Tyler, Rebecca, Scott, and Jimmy, and some other people went on the same trip, but the extended version. And, oh, it's been so hard for you guys to hold back all the stories. I mean, I've told a couple, but for the most part, I've been dying because it's because of you all. I had to go on this stupid trip anyway, <laughs> because last time we, we all sat together, I was asking the stupid questions like, why would somebody go to a place where somebody wants to kill you, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And um, and getting to know Moyne and realized what he's trying to do is really an amazing thing, and that the best way to show my support was, fuck it, just go, which is pretty out of my comfort zone. I don't just up and go travel abroad. Unless there's show tunes involved. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I knew that this was to be, I wasn't going as much to see a foreign land, but to be a part of this thing. And the way I see it, too, is there aren't a lot of people traveling in Pakistan, and that this is an opportunity to go someplace, and not everyone can go. So let's see. I wanted to first start with, let's talk about the routes we went. Um, Jim, you, Jimmy, you've got the map. You want to talk about the route you went on? We all st- Y'all flew into Islamabad, is that right? Yes. Yeah. And then, um, did you stay at Moyne's grandfather's house too? No, um, the guys got there a night early, and they stayed at a hotel, and I got okay. there the morning of, and we cleaned up and then got on the road that same morning. Cool. So, we, we flew into Islamabad, and I think we all traveled, we're talking about the northern part of, part of Pakistan. Which I have this detail map, and essentially, like, it's... It shows almost the entire area that we rode, and then there's an index map, and it shows what my map shows, and then it shows all of Pakistan. And what you see is, like, the area that we rode is all the way by China. It's like Pakistan is a pretty big country, and it's like this tiny little spot way up in the mountains. So it's not... 
it's not like most people think like oh it's all a bunch of desert and this kind of stuff no it's the himalayas right and right and the hindu kush and the hindu kush right. jammu right by jammu and kashmir yeah so yeah so we're up in the north and who can name all the countries that border pakistan scott i'm looking at you China, 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 Afghanistan, uh, Iran. Yeah, really. Iran. And then uh, India. Don't forget yeah. India. 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 And then. Uh, <laughs> just Kyrgyzstan. I think Kyrgyzstan might be Kyrgyzstan? one of them. I think yeah, a sliver. Yeah. Um, so, this was the first time for me. Now, Eason and Tyler and I. This was our first times going over there. And for the other three, you return trip. Most importantly, Jimmy got to go because last time, as a reminder, we named the podcast after you, Bumpy Roads and Broken, Broken Bones, Bones, because you got to ride in the chase vehicle. Yes, because I crashed in traffic, but I decided to complete the trip with a floating broken baller, a collarbone over roads that were probably like the Rubicon. Um, so, <laughs> As I was doing these roads, I was going, oh. This is what he was yeah, doing? Like, uh, oh my God. And keep in mind that on a two-wheel vehicle, you can go around the potholes, but on a four-wheel vehicle, it's a lot more bumpy. Yeah, because you can't go around all the potholes. So let's yeah. quickly name a bunch of the bunch of cities. the cities that we went to. Skardu. Skardu. Gilgit. Gilgit. Naran. Naran. Henza. Marie. Henza, Marie. Oh, Marie um, yeah. Pasu. Pasu. Astor. Astor. Um, Rama Lake. What's the most populated city of those you listed? I mean, which are the larger? Well, Probably Gilgit. Yeah, well, it, technically Islamabad, yeah. Because it's the well, capital. Yeah, and so yeah. all the other, other uh, spots you went to are kind of like villages or small towns or kind of like heads of provinces or something like that? Or? Yeah, so if it was the same for you guys, first day we get into the big city and immediately we leave and we head up north. And from that point on, it was villages. I mean, That's small cool. cities and villages. Yeah. Very, very small cities. I mean, yeah, Gilgit probably. Being the, one of the biggest. Yeah, yeah. which is mm, not that big. Um, I wanted to paint a picture real quick, and, and Tyler and Eason, you can jump in on this one because it was the first time there. You land, you're in Islamabad, you hop on a bike. What was the learning curve like for you? Um, well, the first learning curve was that the front brake literally doesn't do anything. Um, <laughs> like, you, you, can, you can hold your brakes and then, like, move the bike around. Like... <clears throat> It, <laughs> but that's good because the front tire doesn't do anything either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, here, here. We forgot to mention what we are riding. We're riding local Pakistani uh, Honda CG125s, which I hear is an improvement from the from the bike Piaggio's you rode last year. Rebecca, eh? Eh. eh? I didn't find them significantly different. Um, They're wider. Did, did you crash the first time? No. Did you crash this time? Once in the dirt. No, oh, that might be why you have that opinion. No, they just, <laughs> Moin built them up to seem like they'd be significantly better, and right. I didn't find them to be significantly did just, better. Did they just have bold new graphics? Is that what it was? Yeah, the colors were so sharp and sexy. It's Red, <laughs> black. It's important to place the bike, though. We haven't really talked about, I mean, we're talking about a motorcycle where motorcycles are the, the primary transportation in the country, yep. where an average person makes $100 a month. Uh, one of these motorcycles, brand new, is about twelve hundred dollars. Wow! So that's that's the equipment you have to work with. There really isn't anything else in the country unless it's a Honda seventy mm-hmm. or a Honda one hundred. Right. A one twenty five is the top of the game, and Honda Pakistan sells seventy thousand bikes a month in wow. Pakistan. So there the, was no shortage of like extra parts and all that stuff, right? I mean, exactly. repair parts. No. 
And Tyler, how did you adjust to the changes? Because this was a different shift pattern and left side of the road. Yeah, the shift pattern was actually, um, I had a little bit of trouble, like at least once a day, I would uh, downshift when I meant to upshift. And so that was annoying. Um, but it was usually when I was kind of in the zone and I wasn't thinking anymore and mm -hmm. I would just fall back into what my training is which is you know the opposite direction um, the left side of the road was actually not a problem for me I don't know it was just seemed natural I didn't have any issues with that I I had a little bit when we pulled out of the house I'm like okay I'm good I got over on the left side of the road we made a right turn and I turned right into the wrong lane uh, to an incoming car and had to go onto the sidewalk screaming <laughs> like Really, that, was, that was an interesting story when you first got there and everybody kind of had their first ride through the city because everybody was wrestling with different things it sounded like yeah exactly and we immediately take off through the city and city traffic and the is, traffic yeah wow okay before like you actually got on the bike so you guys how did was jet lag a thing for you or was it pretty straightforward did you just i know you I some gonna, of you guys i didn't have any issues no with jet okay lag. okay I got into Dubai and spent a couple days there to okay, acclimate right. myself because I didn't want to have jet lag. Yeah, I didn't realize, you know, Moyne picks us up at the airport, takes us to his grandfather's for breakfast, and then is like, okay, let's go. So yeah, like, it's like you kind of like hit the ground running <laughs> yeah. a little right. bit there, right? That's pretty cool. Yeah. I think the hardest part for me was the car ride from the airport to his grandfather's house was the most freaked out moment for me. Was Moyne driving? Is that why? <laughs> no, there was somebody else driving, but in that traffic and... Uh, that was sketchy. get in where you fit in. The, that was sketchy. Yeah. The, the exactly. rules of the road um, are very different, and especially the Middle East. Um, what, what rules? The, yeah, exactly. The, exactly. The lane lines are just suggestions. I heard it's if like there uh, are lane lines, right? Yeah. If if they are narrow cars, you might have three or four across. If it's a truck, you might have two across. It's just a weaving kind of pattern that's happening. Um, so I wanted to talk about our companions who were there. So um, you're the biggest, uh, I think, Moin fan here. You know all of his details. Rebecca, you want to tell us a little bit about Moin Khan and why we were all there? Uh, sure. So Moin came here for college. He went to SF State. And uh, he worked while he was here. And he made friends and joined BARF, which is Bay Area Writers Forum, which we're all a part of, I believe. Um, and that's how I met Moyne. I bought an F4, and somebody said, hey, do you know the kid that rode his F4i to Pakistan? And I said, no. So I read his story. Um, Moyne had the ambitious dream to ride from San Francisco to Pakistan, and he did. He rode to New York, shipped the bike to Germany, and then continued on until he got hit by a car in Romania. And then I think that's when he really connected with the Writers Forum because uh, Gwen organized parts to be sent to Moyne and um, so that he could finish or rather rebuild his bike and finish his trip. And so I think that's how he really got in with uh, the Barfers. And then Gwen is actually the same person who introduced him to me. Okay. And then uh, in 2013, he posted up saying, I can take 10 riders here in Pakistan. I want to show you my country. Um, all you have to do is pay for your flight. Um, the backlash was pretty immediate. You know, a lot of ignorant comments about 
why would you want to take your riders to get their heads cut off and that sort of thing, um, which was to be expected. And I think Moyne knew that. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why he wanted to do this, because he really loved California and America when he got to know its personality, right, and its culture. But then he is such a proud Pakistani. Like, he is so in love with his country and the people, and he wanted the two countries that he loved to meet each other you know and so he took a few riders in 2013 and I couldn't go so I went in 14 and then I went again in 15 but the whole point of his mission is to break down these stereotypes these gut reactions that Americans have when they hear Pakistan or any country really you know in that Middle Eastern area right that that's what moved me so Tyler how did you get into this why did you want to go to Pakistan um well I remember uh seeing some posts in the barf forums um of i believe it was his um the initial trip where he took two of his friends um just as sort of a private tour and um and then i kind of i kind of forgot about it i thought that seemed amazing and um but i didn't think that it was something that i would have a chance to do ever um and so it kind of just went into the background of my mind and uh, last year, um, a mutual friend of Jim E. and myself uh, made a post on Facebook, I'm going to Pakistan, and and I you know, kind of looked into what he was doing, and I said, oh my gosh, this is the same guy you know, that I saw these pictures of, these amazing photographs of mountains and really cool stuff. And I, so I thought, well, hey, I could do this too. I'm going to try to sign up, but I was too late that year. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, so I signed up uh, for the next year and talked with Jim E. quite a bit um, about his experiences and that sort of thing. So Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's been a trickle-down effect. There's more and more people learn, and that's how Eason learned about it when I posted I was going. And he's like, oh, I want to go, because Eason is game for anything. He, he's living life hard, as Mike would say. <laughs> Cruising hard. <laughs> Cruising hard. Cruising hard. <laughs> so... Um, Tyler, did you have any worries about dangers over there? Initially, not so much. Um, I I don't tend to buy into the mainstream perceptions of a lot of things. Um, But as the trip got closer, I definitely had some moments where I needed to bolster my courage. Because the the media really, there really is a very pervasive um, sort of... Uh, stereotype, I guess, of what Pakistan is like and what the people there are like, and it's a very negative uh, image of them. So it's easy to fall into, you know, to kind of get caught up in those fears, which, from my experience, you know, were totally unfounded. Um, but uh, yeah, does, so does everyone else agree on that? Unfounded. Definitely yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Scott, you can't shake your head <laughs> on a podcast. <laughs> okay. Of course he can. He can do whatever he wants. He's he's a grown ass man. So I wanted to also talk about all the other people who were on our trip because Moyne really took care of us. Um, we had Sonny, aka Noman, who I insisted on calling him Noman because I like that name. Uh, who was his friend who 
how do you describe he's a big ape he, he, he is, is i he love that is. guy I, he's a caveman <laughs> he's a total, <laughs> his voice his and demeanor caveman in a polo shirt and nice slacks yes yes totally <clears throat> Noman's awesome yeah i really love Noman. he yeah i had a good time with him um he looks all dour until something pleases him and he lights up just like a little boy <laughs> it's, it's rad he's such a cool guy yeah i went up to him like on the first day and i said if you want to be my friend, you make sure there's Coke on the table every time we sit down. And the first meal we sit down and I elbowed him, I'm like, are you my friend or not? <laughs> we started shouting at people and suddenly Coke appeared. I'm like, all right, buddy, we'll get along just fine. <laughs> he took care of me. The other cool thing about uh, Noman is he actually ha- he, he does have the big like caveman thing going on. But then he's got like the slacks and stuff. And you're like, okay, is he like a businessman or whatever? Right. But he's also got sort of like a... The philosophical side to him where he's like whatever definitely he's a big softy he is yeah. a total don't say that on here he'll 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 kill us but um no he's he's really smart yeah and he's got different dimensions you know he's a really savvy business person um his family owns companies and then he's an excellent writer um he you know moyne is a very skilled writer yeah. well that borderlines on reckless danger but you know it's his thing and Sonny keeps up with him and challenges him um and and he just has a good personality um so yeah Sonny is a great addition to the tour i like him and then we also had uh we had raju and farouk farouk the driver and raju i don't know what you call him let's go he's the handler (laughs) yeah the handler he's the cook he's whatever you need to be yes little raju and his big old smile and he's getting married very soon he's so he is such the giggler like his he is always happy i think i saw him down once and i was like severely concerned because he was not smiling because it's so out of character um and yes he's getting married next month and he's very uh proud of his Mrs. As, she, he's, as he calls her. Um, I just want to say um, I, when I learned uh, um, Raju's story that he had to go to work for uh, to support his family at age five. He never went to school and had to go to work to support his family because his dad couldn't work. And he has taken care of his family and his little sisters and now he has He's never been to school yet. The guy seems smart to me. He's he's get he got a computer. He was all excited about making friends on Facebook, but he was taking it very slow. He was learning English the whole time we were there. He's a guy who's a mover and a shaker, who's making things happen. Who started out with not a lot to begin with, and I think Moyne recognized that in in him, and so. Yeah, Raju's a good guy. He's only like 22, I think. Um, And then Farouk, tall and silent Farouk, wrapped in his blanket. And turns out he didn't speak English as well. He's having a second baby, Farouk is. Is he? I I loved both of them. I was always like just calling them out and waving. Uh, And then we also had, and this is where it got really cool. We had another Farouk and Kazi, who were the um, the Atlas Honda mechanics, who followed us in a Honda mechanic truck with a spare bike and spare parts. So Moyne really did take care of us to make sure that we had all the support. So we had a driver with the the Jeep to take all of our gear, and then we had the the mechanic truck. So I assume everyone here did end up using the mechanic truck at some point. Do you guys have a camera crew at all following you or documenters? We didn't this time. Okay. Neither mm-hmm. do we. Yeah. I heard rumors, Liza, you did not need the mechanic truck. On your I trip. did not need the mechanic truck. <laughs> yeah. Did everyone here have a crash or a breakdown? 
Yes. 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 Yep. Ah, not me. Okay. Just saying. Okay. Um, <laughs> Bite me. I like to brag, though I did bring my bike. You missed part of the experience, Liza. Yeah. No, when I was <laughs> unwrapping, because we got to the bikes, they were brand new, I was unwrapping the plastic, and I broke a prong on the front headlight cowl, unwrapping the plastic. Moin that was says, all the damage I did. Moyne says, if you're not crashing, you're not having fun. <laughs> hey. Hey. I was the first one to arrive at the destination uh-huh. every time. Uh-huh. I did okay. Right. I, I, I like to think I rode smart. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun. Yep. So we had a really good crew with us. So Easton and I also had uh, Elmer from Tracy and Suleiman from Texas with us. So there were four of us and six of them to take care of us, basically. And we immediately take off with uh, Sunny and Moyne riding. Um, how did how did the riding go for you guys? So you, Tyler, you hadn't done it, but you guys did. You probably just jumped into the flow. Tyler... How did you feel just on the first ride? You're comfortable? Um, yeah. I have done sort of a similar, like, um, <clears throat> uh, sort of distance riding. I rode uh, a few years back. I rode from Santa Cruz to Kansas and then out to Brooklyn and then over to Seattle and back to Santa Cruz. So, um, on, actually, on a, uh, um, on a KLR 250. <laughs> Right. So I, I was, you know, I had some experience with a similar type of trip, I guess you could say. Now, I know for me it took a couple of days to get comfortable. Like, I was comfortable on the bike. Comfortable with the people in our group. Like, this is going to be good. I know for I had a couple of days to figure out no one was trying to kill me. So you guys, for the repeat trip, you probably were just, you're hit the ground you're ready for the adventures um tyler and you had someone else on the trip ben ben who was first time i'm sure you guys tyler was probably easier having them saying it's okay nothing will happen no one will hurt you um i actually once kind of once we were there and i think on the first night we uh sort of got tasked with getting uh visiting the atms to get some cash um without any help really (laughs) and um, you know, people, we were having trouble getting money out of the ATMs, and a couple of guys came up and asked if, if we were having trouble and if we needed any help. And um, I just pretty much right away got the impression that people were friendly and helpful. And um, so I, I really can't think of really any time where I felt like I was at some sort of risk of bodily harm. I mean, aside from, you know, maybe falling off of a cliff or crashing into a Yeah, the, truck. the roads were the biggest dangers. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can tell you all that, for me, once I started, like, talking to people and greeting them, instead of just standing back and watching and waiting for Moyne or Sonny or somebody to initiate, um, I started initiating and talking to people. They did tell me not to extend my hand to shake to a man unless they extend theirs first. That was the only thing I was told. Just be careful of this. Oh, and that I couldn't walk down the street in my shorts. Yes. Right. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> so I do have a funny story, though. Early on in the trip, when I still wasn't sure if anyone was trying to kill us. I mean, I was pretty sure. But uh, we had gone up to Babusar Pass and where there was a mild blizzard. And I had worn all of my clothing and I thought, oh, I'll be smart. I'll wear layers. So when we get back down, I can take off some of my layers. So we get down to the checkpoint at the bottom. 
and I'm starting to take off my clothes because I we were our our group did not ride together. We were spread out very far because we had different riding abilities. Ours too. Yeah, usually Eason was pretty good at keeping up with me. Um, no one could keep up with Sonny and Moyne by the you know right. when they were riding together. So we were all spread out. Um, so we get to the checkpoint, and I know I've got time to wait. So I start to pull my pants down because I wore shorts underneath. So then I could put on some different pants. And they're like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? Because the checkpoint is just in the middle of the road. Right. I went, I'm really, really hot. I want to take off my inner layers. You can't do that here. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> so fine, we wait for everyone. I'm just hot. And then finally, Moyne's like, let's go. There's a restaurant down the road. And to describe a restaurant there, it's kind of a building. And then there's a separate room where they're cooking stuff. And we pulled up, and it's a lot of buses and trucks or and, and just people everywhere. And we pull up, and we start to take our helmets and everything. And Moyne says, no, 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 no. Just grab your keys. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Well, okay. Um, we, we run, and we don't go into the restaurant. We go down these stairs to the back of the restaurant, into the basement, where there's some tables and chairs set up. But then we go through a door into a storage closet. I'm still fully geared. Ethan, were you aware of what was going on at this point? Um, not no. like specifically, no. Right? It was kind of sketchy. We go into this room that has these like cots set up and a little table in the middle and a stack of mattresses in the corner. And I'm just like, whoa, like, oh, what? Whoa, are we? Was there Taliban or well, I don't know? ISIS, like, are we being hidden? What's going on? And then somebody, ISIS really? Oh I God. don't know. I don't <laughs> know what's going on. Is this my new prison? <laughs> so then yeah, right. somebody bangs on the door and Moyne answers, and they start saying something. Moyne's like, no, 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 and the guy says, no, blah, 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 and Moyne's like, no, 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 and he this is, points. This is accurate, by the way. Points exactly what he said. He Moyne points at me and then blah, 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 yells at him and sh- pushes them out and shuts the door <laughs> what is going on <laughs> right? right am i describing this right yes, said, okay true. i'm like can i like sh- what's going on are we being hidden and moine's like okay what do you want for lunch <laughs> i'm like moine what's going on he's like what do you mean <laughs> moine what why did you whisk us in here like that is there dangerous people out there what no, no, no. There was just a bunch of people. I didn't want them to ask for photographs. Right. Yeah. Because everywhere you go. Oh, right. I'm just, you know, I just want to eat. Like, them. why did that man come and yell? What? Oh, that? Oh, you see, upstairs is for men only. These rooms are for families with women. And he came and said, hey, you cannot be here. You have no women. And he, I said, yes, we do have a woman. I'm standing in the back of the room, towering in full gear. It's a haircut, right? And he, and he says, no, you don't have a woman. And he says, yes, we do have a woman. Points at me and says, you may leave now. And pushes him out, shuts the door. That's funny. I was like, Moin, you can't do that anymore. You can't yell at people and whisk us through things without telling us what's going on. It was at that moment I realized, okay, there's nobody trying to kill us. Yeah. So how did you like the celebrity experience? You just talked about being whisked through before people photographed you. <laughs> um, let me tell you, there were times I had to pee. And you're riding on these long mountain roads with just 
rocks and mountain and trees all around you. So I look for a big rock to pee behind. I pull over. I stop. Before I get my helmet off, six schoolboys are surrounding me. Like, where did you come from? <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Photo time. Photo time. Keep going. Go down the road. Here's a desolate, lonely spot. Pull over here. Look around. There's Surprise. somebody sitting on a rock up on the mountain yeah. just looking at me. Like, I could never... I was amazed. You think you're in the middle of nowhere, right. yet people appear from everywhere. Well, people, they mob you. I have an uncle, brother's cousin who's a doctor in New York, and don't you know, and they're just like, you're from America, and this is great, and let's get pictures. I couldn't go anywhere I, I, you know, without people wanting me to get a picture and have a cup of tea. You know. Sounds like knocking Santa Cruz. Yeah. <laughs> what I discovered I just is want that a burrito, man. <laughs> the road, and uh, where we were, in the places we were, the road is the marketplace it's the playground it's the sidewalk it's the what do you call where you take your herd of cattle or goats i mean it's everything to them and i realize that people are sitting on rocks waiting maybe for like the milk truck to come by i don't know like there's people everywhere or that's where you go just for entertainment I, a lot of these places, I don't yeah. even know if they have TVs. They just go watch the road. That's where the kids play cricket. You come through on your motorcycle, and they've stopped playing cricket suddenly because they hear a motorcycle coming. Game and off. Game yeah, on. The, yeah, yeah, game off, and then the traffic goes by. You're like, game on again, and back to playing cricket again. Did anyone else have any scares like that, like not knowing what's going on? No. No, everyone was, <laughs> really? everyone was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like... I liked your story, like when you were at the hotel and the mosque loudspeaker was right next. Oh, I don't know if we have time for that, but I thought that was pretty funny uh, and telling. I'll tell you guys, I played two pranks on the trip. Um, the first one was on Sunny, which he did not think was funny. <laughs> we get into Scardu. Now you have to know, like when we were in Gilgit, we stayed in a hotel, and at like four thirty in the morning, the prayer music started, and the loudspeaker was right next to the hotel, and it's like one of these, like, are you? kidding me moments i grew to enjoy the prayer music it was really cool but we checked in a scardu in the afternoon and usually you americans stay outside we'll go check in and sunny was checking in and so i wandered in and there's a bunch of men in there and he's making arrangements and the prayer music had started so i went up and got close enough to him so no one else could hear but said it loud enough that he was afraid somebody might hear and i says hey sunny do you have the phone number for the mosque across the street? Is it possible you can call him, ask him to turn the music down a skosh? <laughs> Where he grabbed my elbow and whisked me outside of the hotel. He's like, you cannot do that. You will get yourself killed. Does he call you a woman? Woman? Woman. Woman, woman. woman. woman go, you go play in that. the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> Is it like take a sh long walk off a short pier? Go play yeah, in the pretty much. <laughs> That's awesome. The other prank I played, Ethan, I think you, you missed on this one. When... I think we, it was behind you, Richard. Maybe, yeah. Um, we were on one of these long, twisty, um, switchback dirt roads, and I realized I uh, oh, we had left when um, it was on Diosai. Yeah, it was just after Diosai. And I took off from the group just to get a head start because I was bored. Everyone, st the people stop at lakes. There's why does everyone have to stop at a lake? Damn it! But um, I was riding, and I realized all these switchbacks were perfect opportunities to hide my bike. So I hid my bike and ran back up the hill jumped down the cliff's edge and waited for the next biker to come by which happened to be moine so as he comes riding by i crawl up to the top of the road and put my one gloved hand i'm like help and he's like oh my god did you crash I'm like 
No? Oh, and just kept going. Just left me there. Yeah. 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 Let's see. I want to hear about favorite stories of people that you met. Ooh, I have a good one. Yeah. Tell me. Okay, so in Hunza, Karimabad, mm-hmm. you met Prince Mahmood. Yes. Yeah, yeah how many princes? He's a prince? Did you meet? No, that's what they call him. Oh, okay. Yeah, I love Mahmood. <laughs> I think he's like the mover and shaker of Hunza. Yeah, the Prince of Hunza. Um, so he, his sister is getting married. Mm-hmm. And um, while we were there, the wedding festivities were happening. happening. But. Um, it's customary that the bride not see any men before oh, the wedding. Okay. So we went to his house and he sat us down for a traditional meal, which was delicious oh, and right. unexpected. Um, there were a ton of people there trying to look in through the shutters and they kind of hid us away in this room so that we could have privacy and not be bothered. Um, and then he brought in like his niece and nephew who are these ginger kids that mm-hmm. were totally oh. cute. Um, Anyway, so they arranged for me to be able to see the bride, and um, all of all of us tourists chipped in some money as a wedding gift. So I was able to give that to her, and so they take me into this like uh, I don't know, maybe a ten by fifteen room, but it's packed with women, like completely packed to where I have to like you know step through a crowd. Um, the bride is sitting on this. Uh, there's one step up. Let's just ask the obvious question here that pe- most people ask: Did all the women have their face covered? No. Right. Most women do not actually have their face covered, especially in the big cities. Um, and then in Hunza, I thought I think Moin says uh, the education rate in Hunza is extremely high. One hundred percent literacy. Right. Hunza is and progressive. That's amazing. And actually. he says that shows in the fact that women don't have to be covered because right. they're they're educated and you know. It's a little more progressive. Mm-hmm. So, um, so no, this room was full of old and young women, and I don't, I mean, you know, some of them were shawls, but none of them were, like, covered. Um, and so I went and sat by the bride, and one of the women translated, and um, they're all just, like, super happy that I was there, and I, um, I told them why I came. I told them that I had been there last year, and, and this girl is translating what I'm saying to the crowd. And then this old woman uh, says that their smiles are their way of welcoming me and making me know that I, you know, I'm an important person because I come from so far away. Wow. That's, um, that's awesome. And then I see a hand come down from an open tile in the ceiling <laughs> with, with a camera Cousin phone. It was there? The yeah. Phone. So it's just an arm with a camera and the flash is going <laughs> off, <laughs> taking pictures. And then I hear yelling and then the hand disappears. Um, so that was pretty funny. But uh, yeah, the women were just really gracious and, and they were so impressed that we wanted to come, like we wanted to be there, you know, as if... I don't know, we would have gone there any other way. Um, and so grateful that we gave them a chance, you know, because they know the stereotype. And that's, I think that's one of the saddest things is, you know, you meet so many people there and they're like, we're not terrorists. We don't hate you. We don't, you know, there's, yeah. what people don't differentiate is they don't look at the fact that there's the government and then there's the people. Mm-hmm. And we are not our government. Um, yeah. But we, stereotype other countries as if they are and so all of these people just want to like be our friends you know and they're like we want to visit america but they can't because they can't get a visa um so that's i find that really unfortunate uh do you remember the 
quote, Ethan, do you remember the quote we learned about Humza about the schools and educating women that His Highness stated? Uh, it was something about um, educating one man, you educate just one man. If you educate the woman, you educate the whole family. Yeah, I heard that. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. So when we're saying this is a progressive uh, part of Pakistan, it really, Three. really is. And we're talking villages in the mountains. Yeah. Um, actually, I, I hope everyone's okay. That big earthquake that just happened a couple of weeks oh, I ago. Know. I saw that the the where the twin rivers meet. Right. You could. I took. We all took pictures. I'm sure from the Hunza View Hotel of the rivers and the view. That like that's where there was a giant landslide. Wow. Right there. That earthquake really shook up. Humza Valley. And actually, um, speaking of earthquakes, uh, did you guys visit the Altit Fort? The second one? That was, uh, yes. Yes. They, yeah, that was Where cool. they have the hole. So this is a fort that's, what, 1,100 years old, I believe? That's where the, it was the king's palace in the fort. It's built on top of a solid rock. Hmm. Like, giant, yes. And they had a hole in the floor. Did you guys see this? No. They had a hole in the floor, about a two-by-two-foot square hole, and you looked down, and you're looking down into a giant crack in the rock, and they had a, a like a, I want to say a volleyball-sized stone that they had dropped down into the crack, and this was their earthquake gauge that had been there for a thousand years. Whenever there were earthquakes, they would check that rock to see how far it moved oh, to tell wow. if they needed to leave the palace or not. Oh, interesting. Oh. Yeah, I'd be curious wow. to see that now. Hmm. Um, anyone else have stories of, of people they met or hospitality? Too many. Too many to relate. Scott, you, know? you got one? I can no, tell no, you're no, the no, shy no, one. <laughs> um, Scott shy, I don't know. How about you, Ethan? <laughs> uh, when I, broke, when I uh, broke down, I got a flat tire. Um, I think it was mm -hmm. on the way to Gilgit mm -hmm. um, after Babooser Pass. And I basically broke down in like the middle of nowhere. Like... Nothing, absolutely nothing. You, you're by yourself or some, or I'm, you kind of like moved away. I'm by myself. Okay. Like, yeah, we yeah. all kind of rode by ourselves. Sure. I, like I hadn't seen anybody for a good half an hour, forty five minutes. Hour. Oh wow. Um, but basically, I broke down in one of these areas, and like as you're driving along this road, you know, it's just basically empty. But you'll see like on the side of the road, these there's goat herds, there's kids sitting on the rocks, you know, and it looks a little bit intimidating. Um, like there'll be a bunch of people like sitting on the rock, like watching you go by, um, and. I basically, you know, I break down with a flat tire, and there's these goat herds, and everyone, there's a different culture about smiling there, I think. Um, and so all these people are sort of stone-faced, like, just normally just looking at you, just looking, <laughs> you know, no, no, no expression. Um, but basically I broke down this flat tire, and then I was just sort of standing there, like, you know, cursing and kicking my bike or whatever, um, while I waited for the mechanic truck. And one of the goat herds, like, comes over and... Uh, he doesn't speak any English, but he's clearly trying to figure out, like, if I'm okay, do I need help? Like, you know, do I need to ride in his goat to the nearest town or <laughs> you know, whatever? And that was really, really cool because um, people are shy. Like, that was actually a pretty, like, he was, like, going out of his way and uh, maybe even breaking sort of cultural norms um, to try to help. Yeah, they, they're stone-faced until you smile at them, right, and then right. they smile, and they're genuine. You know, like, yeah. we um, last year when we stopped for lunch, we met this cop named Khan, I think. Mm -hmm. Was it Khan? Well, no, Wally. Wally. And he sang for us. <laughs> and we um, stopped at a check post, and who was there? 
Wally, right? Oh, cool. So he was like so happy to see us again. Uh, he had transferred posts and he wanted us to have tea. And we were just like, you know, you, when you're on the road, you want to just keep going, right? So we had yeah. to say, oh, we just had tea, but thank you. Um, but yeah, the, the people, they want to help. Uh, like I... Like you said, our group rode separately a lot, um, mm-hmm. and so I wanted to make, I hadn't seen anyone for such a while, because I was on the front of the group, that I wanted to make sure I hadn't missed a turn, you know? I was always afraid of that, too. Yeah, so. Didn't, didn't that happen, did that happen to you last time? Or was that Jeanette's group? Somebody Jeanette. did that, where they went too far. That, no, Yeah, I didn't have that okay. in Pakistan, but um, so I, I just pulled over where there was a group of guys, and I lifted up my shield and I was like, you know, uh, I think we're going to a store. And I was like, a store? And I point that way. And first of all, they're all shocked because I'm a girl. Yeah. Right? So right. they're all kind of like giggling to themselves. And then they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, thumbs up. Um, and so I just kept going. And then when Moyne and I talked later, I was like, yeah, I wasn't sure if I was going the right direction. So I stopped and asked some guys. And he's like, you didn't. And I was like, what? He's like, you actually stopped and talked to men on the side of the road. I was like, yeah. And he's like, and they told you where to go? And I was like, yeah. He's like, uh, okay. Like, But he, he was, um, I don't know, he seemed like a mixture of impressed and like almost validated that his people were so great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because yeah, yeah. you know how much yeah. he loves them. So, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I would like to funny. state for the record that you actually resemble a girl very much so, as opposed to me. Oh. <laughs> which you and I may have had different experiences there because what happened to me oftentimes I would because my hair is very short now too um, there'd be a group of people and maybe shake hands or say hello and then like maybe some boys would be like giggling and arguing and Moyne would go you know what they're saying (laughs) I can figure (laughs) yeah they're fighting over your boy or girl (laughs) Um, no but that was awesome like Ben so Ben uh, was behind me on a couple of rides and and we would come up on these groups of, you know, school children walking. And, like, as I was coming up, because I had braids, um, they, I could see them, like, th- like processing this. And mm. as soon as I was passing them, they'd, like, break out into wide smiles, you know, because then they figured out I was a girl. And so Ben's like, yeah, it's really cool to ride behind you and catch their reaction when they verify that you're a girl. Um, and so, like, we were riding behind a truck full of uh, school school boys and so I flipped my shield up because I wear a really dark tinted shield mm-hmm. and I like smiled at them and they're all pointing and smiling yeah. and like they're loving it you know because it's so unusual and then um, you know seeing girls I made sure to like that they knew I was a girl because they don't ride there it's not typical right. um, and I you know not that it like communicated this message but I was hoping they'd at least like think oh hey, a girl can ride her own bike, yeah. you know, and maybe just plant a tiny seed in, you know, someone's totally. head. Totally. Jim, I know you have a bunch. Tell mm-hmm. us one of your, your well, good ones. Well, uh, actually, so um, I hung up the, because of Pakistani hospitality, I hung up the entire group trying to get out of Gilgit. So what happened is Ben wanted a bag, I wanted a bag. I had seen some dresses for my, I wanted to buy for my girlfriend. And I went back to the bazaar. Okay, guys, I'll be back in a minute. I'm an American male shopper. Get in, get out. Well, that's not how it works in Pakistan. Hmm. Mission accomplished for the first two bags. I could not get out of the store with the bags because I know to this day that his uncle and his brother worked there and he had 10 kids and we had to stop for pictures. And it was everything I could do to get out of there with two $15 pieces of luggage without staying for tea, right? (laughs) Like, okay, so then I'll go get the dresses for my girlfriend. Well, I didn't realize I had to be tailored. It was unfathomable for these fellas 
to like not tailor it and i'm like no i'm leaving today and they're just like no well well we can't do it today you know and there's like this huge well, let's move it up to monday aren't you coming back and they just couldn't imagine not finishing the job and then there was a whole discussion about whether the tailing was included with the price they're going to tailor four-piece dresses for six and a half dollars yeah i i was you know and i don't have i didn't have my girlfriend's measurements but by the time we got all this done i had to stay for tea I had to just have a cup of tea with these people. And that was just, that was how it went everywhere. And I just, I, it makes it tough to like plan or schedule. But meanwhile, the whole group's waiting for me. Like, where the hell is it? Where the hell? We got to go, right? But yeah. Yeah. And that was just everywhere and everything you did. And and I could repeat that story so many times. Um, And I've got photographs and memories and um, everybody was just so warm and inviting and it was the whole like you know people are awesome governments suck and as soon as you said that those like smiles blossomed all around and people were just all kinds of cool yeah, yeah even when we were in uh in naran shopping for the famous hats the right. did you guys call them taliban hats too no that's it that's you're an that's asshole a mo- <laughs> no that's what <laughs> moin called it yeah. taliban hats right am i right Ethan? <laughs> you didn't call them taliban hats oh, <laughs> <laughs> racist hunza total caps. racist <laughs> they were hunza caps weren't they so Eason uh, was buying a hat and the guy is like custom fitting it to his head kind of deal and this um man and wife couple kind of well-dressed walked up and just said oh where are you from speaking english um and and why are you here and told him everything and then and i said how much i'm enjoying it and he just said thank you very much for coming thank you very much yeah so many thank yous just for coming. so many thank yous for just being there yep um, Tyler, did you run into stuff like that? Yeah, um, all the time. Uh, people always wanted to know <clears throat> where we were from, why we were there. Um, in Hunza, I met um, an older man who uh, called himself John, and he was so happy to see us. He was almost crying at some points in our wow. conversation. I have a video of me and him. It's rad. Yeah, and he was really just really wanted us to know like how happy he was to see foreigners in Hunza again Mm. and you know talked about how when he was young foreigners used to be there all the time and now his children haven't even really you know maybe maybe never met a foreigner because you know they're just too young Um, and he really wanted us to come and take a picture with his family and Mm. you know so and that's just one example I think anywhere that we stopped people were at the minimum very curious um and always friendly and um oftentimes like you mentioned earlier uh jim e um people wanted to let us know that the security was better the taliban is gone um i am not a terrorist right you're safe here like we you know we're really happy to see you thank you for coming, mm-hmm. like you said. Be like, America, that's really far away. What are you doing here? And I'd be like, riding motorcycles through the Himalayas. They're like, motorcycles? What kind of motorcycle? And I'd say, Pakistani 125. And they would be like, what? what? A Pakistan motorcycle? What are you doing here? And I'd be like, the Himalayas. You know, Pakistan. And they go, and I just could, they couldn't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we all got the same thing. Yeah. Nock, you had a question? Oh, yeah. Uh, how much downtime did you actually have uh, when you were there? I know in <clears> some <throat> of my return trips, I'd imagine you probably had more time to chill out and um, or I, was there at all any, I mean you know well it was a three week trip so we yeah. had a little bit more leeway yeah three full days three, like okay uh, cool we did 3300 kilometers right 
Uh-huh. We had a rest day, rest day in Rama, rest day in Iran, rest day in Gilgit, rest day in Hunza. Is that mm-hmm. four? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Maybe it was four, yeah. Yeah, the, the way um, Moin's not really good at organizing, uh-huh. which... Mm-hmm. He's better than a lot. <laughs> he was better than last year. Yeah, Which that's means true. <laughs> that's true. it wasn't terribly structured. There's a goal, but there's no reason why we have to be somewhere on a date. Right. You can change the plans right. if you that's need. That's kind of way to do it right i mean you have fixed goals but you kind of i was thinking because he didn't want people to know our route that was last year but um that's something to know of between last year and this year last year we stopped at every single check checkpoint Mm -hmm. um and we had police escorts through a lot of the areas this year we had i think one police escort and we stopped at maybe half of the checkpoints yeah so i think that's something to note that their security really is getting better um, their economy is getting a little more stable. There were a lot of Pakistanis out vacationing too. Yeah, you know, just taking pictures and with their families mm-hmm. and girlfriends and whatnot. We saw a lot of tourists, uh, yeah. a lot of Chinese. We saw some Germans. Oh. That did not happen last year. We and we picked up Australians on our way, a bunch wow. of Australians and one Spaniard, because we were collecting travelers. We would literally, so I don't know if you heard how we got the travelers. Yeah, I heard about this. You had a crew the, just well, assemble, the right? first pair on a BMW were at Pasu and we pulled over to the side of the road for take, to pick, take pictures and they were there so we just started chatting them up and Moyne of course is like where are you going and what's your plan and they're like I don't know we hadn't planned on spending time in Pakistan we were just going to go through and he invited them to come with us to uh, Hunza and no uh was it Hunza or was it the I think they were the goal was pa- uh, oh, Pasu Pasu and he paid for their room he said, be my guest. And then when we were there and we had, so we had this two travelers on a GS, we were outside talking and we saw a couple big adventure bikes go past down the road. So I think it was like Moyne and I, we started like waving our arms and just yelling. And like two guys, just they just kept going. And then the next two guys were waving, hey! And they looked over and they started slowing down, but then they kept going. And the next <laughs> two guys were hey, stop! We finally got like a couple more guys to f- double back and come check it out. And the other ones who went on came back, what's going on? We're like, hey, where are you going? Come stay with us. Come join nice. us. So we had like, we added like nine adventure bikes, people from all over the world who had gotten together to go through China together because when you go through China you need to have a a tour guide Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, so they had arranged through internet to all get together Um, so we picked up a bunch of these guys invited them to dinner because as you guys know at the hotel there there was nobody else we had the entire hotel to ourselves that's pretty big there were Chinese people (coughs) right as we were leaving I think or was that last year where they had like the whole uh, well, anyways. So we had a bunch of BMWs and Transalps and KLRs and people from all over. I'll tell you all a funny story, though. This is Pasu, right? Uh, yeah, Pasu. Yeah. Um, the next morning, a bunch of the guys were going to leave. Uh, they were going without us. Some were decided to travel with us. Um, and there was a couple on the BMW GS who could not get the key out of the oil filler cap. <laughs> oh, this is a story. Yeah. Do you remember the season? Were yeah, you pretty I So I'm inside eating breakfast, and I see a group of people around one of the motorcycles. It's like, <laughs> hmm, what are people talking about? What's going on? So I go out there, and there's a bunch of the guys all there, all taking turns and trying to figure out how to get the key out of the lock. And I've never seen a filler cap with a lock. I waited for all the men to give it a shot. Right. They all gave up. 
zip tied the key to the crash bar said well we'll just leave it in i walked over did a couple little turns wiggles feel it fell it out pulled the key out and walked away (laughs) it short long story short liza's awesome this is the story you want to tell again (laughs) no no it was fun later on there was some guys we had met twice on the road that we ran into again at a gas station they're having trouble with their xr 350 and they sought me out passed up the mechanics to seek me out for help with their bike so i was pretty proud of that that these were pakistani men who were wanted to my advice on something um there was i'm sure does everyone have some funny stories of things that happened were there any other pranks or good Mm -hmm. times because i got two i'll tell but i want to give you all a chance nothing Uh, no no hijinks Oh, no, there was the whole bumper motorcycle thing. Oh, God, the Demolition make, Derby. Ma- demolition well, Derby. Make the, other, make the other person put their foot down. What is this game? It involves running up to somebody like you're like getting in front of the other guy, like he's going to T-bone you, and then making him put his foot down, and then zooming off without putting your feet down. What, did you do this on the polo fields or something? No, we did it on a by meadow Rama. by Rama Lake. Uh, we by were Rama. just... This ensued a couple times. I have a bunch we of videos. started practicing flat track and then uh, started having a demolition derby. Right. <laughs> oh, well, the non-demolition derby kind of thing. You know. Just to backtrack real quick, we did not have any police escorts except for when we went up to Rama Lake. This policeman appeared and rode with us and then let everyone shoot his gun. That's oh. right. Oh, <laughs> we never got to fire any weapons. <laughs> oh, yeah. that. That's awesome. Yeah, we all were taking pictures with him, and then he just hands his gun. I think, Eason, you might have been the first one. He just hands his gun to Eason, like, oh, okay. You, you hear that, Moyne? The next one <laughs> is the uh, Pakistani shooting scoot. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So, um, so I have a couple stories. One is there's a couple we almost died stories. Maybe mm, you guys yes. will have some of those. Mm-hmm. So, Eason, I'm going to tell the story of Naran and the fire. <laughs> <laughs> so, Naran, um, I think you guys, too, at night, you go down to the market, huh? to the... Um, yeah, the bazaar. The bazaar. This is something to behold. It's really pretty cool. It's the street through town. It's street through town. It's just lit up, and there's just all stores and all this action and things happening. Um, but there was some other guys on adventure bikes staying at a hotel that had a um, like a rest, uh, well, a cooking room outside. The restaurant the hotel. was a fire pit. Uh, right as you come into town, it's on the left, and it had a yep. lawn and tables and chairs. So um, we went over to join these people. Um, at the tables and chairs and um, as we were walking past the kitchen and onto the dining area the lawn there was this boy (laughs) who was in the kitchen which just had a low wall separating it It was kind of like open air kitchen right? right this boy comes flying over the wall head first lands and does a tuck and roll somersault, gets up and runs past us. Whoa. So Ethan and I are kind of like, eh? <laughs> what? And then we look into the kitchen, and the kitchen is on fire. It's a propane kitchen, and the propane Whoa. tank is on fire. <laughs> so there's this, and, big and we're right, we're right next to this too. Like we're right next to the right. the kitchen. So we're just we do this like we watch this guy come <laughs> flying out out the window, 
pat, run, run away. It we look smooth. at the kitchen. It's like this double take. Look at the guy who's running and how everyone else is putting their fingers in their ears and running. <laughs> we look at each other and go, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> and we just start running. We don't know where we're running to. Okay. And there's nowhere to run to because there's this little, like, cul-de-sac thing. And we basically just run into... <clears throat> run into the run into there and so there's just it's kind of a bad place to run um normally i pride myself on good places to run um but that was not one of them Um, (laughs) so basically in this little like you know there's three walls and then there's the open wall and the open wall is where the the soon to be exploding propane bombs i'm going to pass a picture around for everyone to see (laughs) <laughs> and I'm going to describe the picture because in this dining area that was walled in by fences and buildings, <clears throat> I realized the only place to hide for cover, there are these day beds and, and sh- short right. tables. And I'm like, well, where can we hide when this thing explodes? And suddenly I realize Eason is gone. Where did Eason go? And I see these feet sticking out from underneath one of the day beds. <laughs> he has shimmied under a day bed. And then Elmer is got his head between his knees with his ass in the air, just just high, you know, waiting for a nuclear bomb or something. I look at both of these ding dongs and I'm like, well, A, I can't fit under there, B, I can't roll up in a ball like that. And I'm just kinda like running back and forth, like, oh God, where do I go? Where do I go? And then I realized out of here is where I need to go. And I had to run back towards the kitchen to run around a fence to go over to the parking lot and hide behind cars. <laughs> Asen, I think at some point you realized you needed to get out of there, too, that these straw daybeds were not. <laughs> I, no, no, no. I pulled over like two tables and had it like set up. <laughs> <laughs> I built a fort oh, and I had a shield ready. <laughs> That's good. You can run in fear and pee your pants laughing at the same time. <laughs> this is what I proved. <laughs> um, so did it explode? It didn't. One guy ran into the kitchen and used a wet towel and smothered it out. And we could see this one guy in there just... And every time he'd throw the towel over it, it would just... (laughs) Giant flames. And finally he smothered it. And then you guys all felt like weaklings? Uh, No. Everyone had convened in the parking lot. We were hiding (laughs) behind minivans, having conversations. Everyone was hiding, except for this one (laughs) guy. And then it lit on fire again a few minutes later, and everyone like scurried back. So wow. So and since it's like towards the hotties and uh, you know it's let's let's I, I want to do the Festivus thing where you get to air out your grievances, <laughs> kind of like the Festivus thing. Anyways, uh, traveling frustrations. Is there anything that that kind of frustrated you a little bit? Not about the trip itself, but just general traveling frustrations and not not things not going your way or whatever. Uh, for for me, I can just say it. At first, it was frustrating because we were traveling all spread out, and so you had to wait for your luggage to come. But then I just thought to myself, I'm not going to let this ruin my trip. Yeah. I, I'm over here across the world experiencing something. I don't have time for anger and frustration. Okay. I, I don't know if you guys kind of – I know whenever you're traveling in a group, you're going to have frustrations, but did, were, were you all able to let it go and really enjoy it? Pretty yeah. much. Yeah, I don't think there was anything significant. I mean, yeah. like you said, it's such a waste of energy. Um, and and over there, you know, things that might bother us here, you know, just don't seem as important when you're yeah. in a totally different culture. Takes the backseat um, a little bit. Moine, actually, I know that, like, uh, 
people are frustrated because he's not used to getting an early start in the day. Mm-hmm. But he actually <laughs> he was actually significantly better this year, um, he and he was pretty proud of himself for that. He was up every day by nine at the latest, uh, which is great. Um, <laughs> Best advice that I got, Tyler. I don't know if you got all the same advice. I was advised well, and then I think I was sharing it with the people on my trip. Besides the whole wet wipes, everyone was clued in. And like, you need to have wet wipes, but you told me take some extra food in your bag yes because yes sometimes lunch was at four and dinner was at 11 Mm -hmm. yes that is different uh certainly than we're used to here noon and you know six or seven p.m right and is that a cultural thing or is it just that is a cultural thing um we went to a restaurant in lahore scott and i stayed Mm -hmm. a couple extra days and we went to dinner at i want to say eight seven thirty or eight and it was completely empty. And they were like, oh, this is a really good restaurant. And I was like, when we got there, I was like, oh, I guess not so good, huh? And they were like, no, this is like, dinner starts in like two hours, you know? Yeah. So yes, it's definitely a cultural thing. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, d- Ethan, Tyler, did you, ex- did you, Ethan, I think you had food, right? We all knew to bring some food. Yeah, I brought up, like, I brought quite a bit, yeah. And Tyler, were you clued into that too? Yeah, I've, I've uh, traveled enough to know to you know have like a cliff bar or something you know um and uh rebecca often had um beef jerky on offering um rebecca were you the the tour mom i totally was much to moines unhappiness <laughs> he's like you keep crying you keep crying i was like no one else is gonna tell he's like well then too bad if they don't speak up then they don't get to you know then i don't care and i'm like no you have to care i was like because i'm telling you <laughs> so um yeah my dad is a beef jerky vendor and so i got um two big packs of jerky and um brought it along and that was often you know, I had so much, and so I passed it around. But um, it, it, yeah, it's just different, you know. But that's one of those things. Like, okay, yeah, you're used to eating at noon, and you don't eat until three there. Right. You just kind of suck it up, and deal with it. Like Knox bike, you know, the sunglasses. Like you just deal <laughs> with it, you know, because it it sucks to be a bitch in a foreign country, you know, yeah. because it it just looks ugly. You don't want to be that ugly American. Um, and so, like, I really pride myself on not being, like, a girl when it comes to traveling, like, the stereotype of a girl, you know? Right. I'm pretty just, like, rough and tumble, like, I'll deal with whatever. Um, but, yeah, I was kind of the mom because I know that people are not used to, especially, like, Ben and Tyler, like, they were great. They did great. But I knew that Moyne wasn't taking into consideration the fact that this was their first time there. So, like, when we got to Hunza and everyone goes up the mountainside because we all know this, um, that we're all supposed to take this left, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, where's Tyler and where's Ben? Because they're not going to know that we take this left, you know? So, I'm waiting. Oh, the short road? Yeah. Yes, I love that. Ethan but, and I did it yeah. back and forth in the rain at night. We loved it. Yeah, it was, yeah, but if you don't know to yeah. turn. We would have just kept going yeah. it. So I think I, I did I, a couple times a lot of times even. I waited because yeah. oh oh you're talking you know. the yeah the road to I'm talking about from the hotel the road up to the village oh yeah that oh. was cool I loved that that was fun so um I want to talk about um because there were different as- aspects of the trip there was the the culture the views the mountains my motto there was another fucking river another fucking mountain another <laughs> fucking village another fucking beautiful view like yeah, 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 this is, it's like overload. It was so much. But 
Um, I want to talk about the biker perspective because this is what we are, a room full of bikers. I want to talk about what skills you needed that that you, you had that came into use there, oh. what skills you obtained, and your favorite roads. Jim, you got you got some of this? Favorite road? Um, probably, I thought about this quite a bit. Um, probably the most enjoyable ride that had a mix of everything I sort of liked was from Scardew to Gilgit. The, okay, so you guys did the... Oh, okay. Yeah. From Scardew to Gilgit. It was a very long ride, but it right. had sort of everything that you... A balance of everything. We did stuff that was a lot easier. We did stuff that was a lot harder. Yeah. This was the first time on that road, Jim, right? I mean... Yeah, it was the first time I rode that road. Describe the roads. (sighs) Uh, Boy, that's a mix of everything. It could be some good pavement. It could be some crummy pavement. The pavement could stop suddenly. You could come around a corner and there'd be either a huge truck or a big landslide. Pavement stops. Or goats. The road to Scardew had a lot of sand. That was Mm. the closest call I had on the trip. There was a clip on the left and a mountain on the right, and it came around a corner, and there was a huge lorry. And uh, I got it on camera, but you can't really feel on camera that both tires started to go sideways, and I just straightened up and just went up the mountain instead of off the cliff around the truck. You know, but it was I liked it because it was technical and it kept me focused, and which was tough because the view was beautiful, which was another reason I liked the road. The view, the view was beautiful. It was a beautiful canyon that just went on and on and on. It was just incredible, and the rocks were like hanging over the road. The road was carved to the side of this mountain. It's just, you know, and but you couldn't really pay attention to it because it was so technical, all the sand and stuff everywhere that right. you really had to be on the ball. But that was the other fun part of it, you know. So yeah, yeah. And there's always like. The thin road. I guess we'll get to that at a point. Yeah, you guys want to talk about the thin road because we didn't get to do the thin road. Uh, the thin I'm road so has jealous. another mechanical, a mechanical episode. So let's really. talk about because some of it was nice paved roads. However, these paved roads came with the opportunity that there might be livestock or rocks oh, on what it a, at any time. That's an awesome feature. Yeah, <laughs> and children but, too. Uh, okay. Yes, water. water. But yeah. um, let's talk about. The, uh, some of the technical roads. So, who who loved the thin road? <laughs> Scott, you want to, do you want to describe the thin road? Yeah, it was a uh, it was actually a shepherd's path, and uh, it started out with a steep dirt climb, lots of rocks, and you pretty much had to either ring ring the thing because you know the transmissions, the gear ratios are so wide. You had to ring the thing's neck in first, or slide the clutch in in second, yeah. and. Uh, then we got to the thin part, and it was just, I got to the top first, and then Sunny and Moine came along, we continued on, and uh, it was, you know, they described it as this really hairy thing with these huge drops, and... Uh, it was basically, it was like you were riding on the top of a wall, yeah, built onto the wider. edge of a mountain. How wide was it? What? It was three big. feet? Four? Okay. Three Something feet. like that. Three feet, I think. Yeah. Three feet, but on a steep... They had taken dry stacked stones and built the path up over the years and then put dirt on the dry stacked stone. And so you wound up with sort of this kind of, you know, wall effect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the climb up was harder. I mean, once you got to the thin road, it's just a matter of not being stupid and riding off the cliff, right? Um, So what I found interesting, so there was two Pakistanis, two up on a little... Uh, motorcycle mm-hmm. going up the same time we were going up and whenever they'd get to a really steep part the passenger would get off 
and he had just climbed this like sheer mountain and meet the guy at the next like <laughs> turn <Right>. you know <laughs> um and i found going up was the hardest one of uh our tur you know one of the riders didn't make it up all the way because it, it was so much loose rock um and these little bikes you know they're not really made to do that like i had to get off of my bike and um gas it up uh because yeah, these bikes have street tires on them yeah, yeah and no power right and we're at you know high altitude and that kind of thing so getting up was the hardest part for me and then once i got up there it was just like kind of you know don't look down too much and <laughs> and um other than i think there were two parts where like the road was kind of washed out on the left and so you had to go over the washout and that was the only time i got a little nervous because if you know i didn't know how loose it would be so if it slips obviously you can slip off of the side um but thankfully the dirt didn't move so that was fine and then we get to um the back side and moin goes okay we have to turn around because it's going to get dark soon <laughs> and i was like oh this doesn't loop around he's like no he's like so turn your bike around i'm like dude i can't turn my bike around on this thing right and then sunny's like i'll do it you know said so sunny gets <laughs> off of his bike and flips it around um flips you, my you bike pick around. up the bike and and move you physically you cannot turn the bike around in the yeah. normal sense you have to pick the bike up and rotate turn it, it around. rotate it yes. exactly so then we're heading back and scott's in front of me and then i come up and he's just standing there and he's like broken shifter <laughs> and we're at the top of this mountain and i'm just like shit and then moin comes up and moin's like i can't believe this of course you know um and then jim fixed it so, well we got oh. the thing in first gear with a pair of pliers moin was riding it down no. the hill he was ahead of me pretty soon i started seeing oil streaks on the road oh no and so we come up and these guys have a broken shift shaft and i look at it and i'm like ugh. No, really? Oh, the shaft broke. No, the shaft's coming out of yeah. the motor broke, right? So I'm trying to explain, Yikes. like, <laughs> if we can do this, and I've got my helmet on, and, and, and at some point, they're just looking at me like I'm, like, crazy. And I'm just like, give me the fucking toolkit. You know, give me the toolkit out of there. So I get the toolkit out. I undo the bolt, and I, I, I use the screwdriver to punch the shaft out of the middle because I think I have a little bit of bite in the shaft. So then I stick it back on the shaft, and I grab a rock, and I wedge the rock between the foot peg and a shifter so that I can get that tiny little bit of shaft shift shaft that's left and i was able to get it in first gear so of course moin rides it down the hill and punches a hole in the case for us but it was interesting how about tyler what do you did you have dirt riding experience before this um pretty limited how how did you handle because there was a lot of dirt riding yeah um for the i think the hardest part i had is just uh my wrists and hands and knees couldn't um they would you know start to get painful and tired after a, a couple hours or even an hour um so um by the end of the trip uh my wrists and hands were um like sometimes in the mornings i would wake up and my hands would feel swollen hmm. and then i would go back to sleep and wake up you know an hour or two later and they would feel mostly normal again but still painful oh you had arm pump i guess that's what it sounds like right i don't know what that is yeah uh, just when your hands swell from clutching yeah. and levering, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it must be that. Yeah. And um, so that was tough. Um, as far, I mean, I guess um, in Naran, um, we rode up to a lake, and that was really challenging for me. But uh, Farouk actually helped me 
um, just by telling me just to go slow and encouraging me to not give up, which was great. And so I got all the way up there. And in that, just that one little trip, um, I kind of, I think I gained the, the skills that I needed to make the rest of the trip work for me, um, just as far as feathering the clutch and um, how to kind of, you know, tackle slippery rocks and whatnot. So that slippery rock part that was tough. Yeah, <laughs> Ethan. Yeah. How about you? What did you discover about yourself as a writer over there? How were you tested? Um, so on the street, um, I realized that I am not nearly as good of a writer as I thought I was, which is something that I discover every six months or so. But um, <laughs> especially that was happening. Uh, there were one or two times where it was just like a tight turn. I had horrible lines, and then oh look, here comes like the truck the car passing the truck in the in my lane and then the motorcycle passing the car that is passing the truck um <laughs> and i'm just i was not prepared for that um and so i feel like i improved in that sense but i also realized uh, how much more i need to do um so that's sort of like the street stuff yep. um i also realized that i have like an inner dirt hooligan that i didn't realize <laughs> nice. that i didn't realize existed um the only time i'd gone on dirt before was on a big v-strom uh with abs still on which i couldn't turn off which was kind of terrifying um but on these small little bikes it's cool because sort of the way like you're driving these bikes you're not you don't have any grip on the tires like they're like as i said they're street tires so the way you're driving on the dirt is you're just literally just bouncing like you have the throttle pinned and then you're just trying to keep the front wheel like wherever you want to go because you have literally no traction um and so by the end of the trip i was like well everybody else was stopped and like resting or drinking or whatever i would just like oh look there's a construction site over there i'm gonna go like get this bike stuck in the mud um or do, do, or like do jumps off the little hills. Yeah, both and Eason and I took almost every opportunity to go do little extra side rides. Yeah, and so especially in Hunza, Liza and I would just be like racing. Like, it's raining. We're all going to take the car, and Eason and I are like, we're taking bikes. Yeah. 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 So that was something I didn't know existed within me, but was yep. pretty cool. Um, I also, yeah, and then uh, sort of on the road that um that was mentioned uh, from Scardu to Gilgit, um, I fell in love with that road like as soon as i hit it um which eliza thinks i'm stupid for she got you know she was faster than me on it um, no wait you were faster than me for the first quarter i was i was faster for the first quarter because I, I hit that road and i was like this is the best road in the entire world I'm, and i saw this like, i saw the street the, the sign that said like 162 kilometers ago and i went oh i'm gonna dial it back about five <laughs> miles an hour and take and eason's like oh i passed her yeah woo! just takes off <laughs> so i was like i was i mean like i was like singing you know i was like humming a song to myself i was like standing on the pegs i was like i'm gonna pass the fucking truck on the wrong side and then i don't even care there's a car on that side like nice. i'm gonna just wail it the whole way through <laughs> um just it was just a blast um and of course is i got a quarter of the way through and i was so tired that i <laughs> literally fell over and <laughs> I just, just drove past him. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was trying to say, like, pace yourself, bro. <clears throat> that was an awesome road. Um, mm. It's funny how you can leave Moyne and Sunny so far back. <clears throat> like, they could be waiting for a oh, truck, yeah. and you know they're waiting for, like, 30 minutes. And then, like, an hour later, here they are on your tail, and you're just like, how? Do you physically not die? Like, how do you not die going the speeds you're going? 90% of the trip, I was at full throttle. Yeah. Like, you just would pin it and 
that's the best you could get out of it. Wow. I can tell you I had a near-perfect motorcycle moment. I think I was on the KKH. Was it uh, when we left Gilgit, maybe? Um, Eason, you were trying to keep up for a while on me with me, and... Sonny was in the lead, and so I was keeping up with Sonny, and we started kind of racing. If Sonny and Moyne were together, couldn't keep up. Mm-hmm. If it was mm-hmm. Sonny or Moyne by themselves, I could keep up, <clears throat> and Eason couldn't keep up with me. But if the two of them were together, then Eason could usually keep up with me because I just let him go and not risk it. But this one time, I'm riding with Sonny, and it was almost like the PCH, Pacific Coast Highway, with no trucks or cars. Um, the river down below perfect two lane and every now and then there were those uh tunnels yeah and i realized for like half an hour we hadn't seen a single car or anything so just the entire road was mine so i was just doing wide sweepers in the other lanes and doing like a racetrack kind of riding just like this is my entire track and both sunny and i we just we got it up to a hundred and I want to see fifteen kilometers. Wow! Which I went to the red line and passed the red line, hmm. and I was thinking, "Am I going to kill the bike?" <laughs> I don't care because I'm having a perfect moment, full tuck, mm. and just I hadn't seen any rocks or goats, and it was just <laughs> an amazing, just beautiful moment where I used my one track day lessons came in, in finding the lines and that's where I was pointing out to Easton like dude your lines suck because on just something like that when you have the whole road to work with it, it made a world of difference in keeping it pinned and just oh did any of you all have some moments like that well wait Sonny told me that oh, yeah. you surprised him oh really he was like yeah he, he said in a somewhat subdued tone for Sonny <laughs> that <laughs> he's like Liza he, she impressed me he's like she's a solid rider <laughs> and like he was kind of quiet <laughs> so maybe that was that day you know yeah. um, I wound up at a checkpoint by myself for a really long time and I had no idea exactly how it was I got so far ahead of everybody but I think I just consistently got my head down that day I was coming up the bad section of the KKH <clears throat> from Besham to Gilgit because we had to uh, we had to backtrack from Iran and go back around because uh, Barbara Sertop was closed. So well, we st- well we stopped for multiple smoke breaks, and so <laughs> that's so um, riding with smokers. We didn't realize there would be a checkpoint ahead, and so we were just kind of lounging. Yeah, it, w- it had been raining off and on, and uh, yeah, so. So I got a, I got a hippy dippy question for you. Um, did you discover any of you guys any of you uh, discovered a new mental toughness that you developed or s- that <coughs> oh, you you realized question. you didn't have until you did this trip? Or I know a lot of you guys are uh, do adventure riding and you've probably reached that limit or breaking point before. But is there anything new that you discovered mentally? I I, I know at least on our trip everybody <laughs> had a day where they passed out and missed dinner. Like everyone had that I'm pooped day, and I think I was probably the first one in our group to, to have that day in Gilgit where I'm like I'm going to bed at like five I'm just I'm one wiped um but then I was good after that um the only thing um about the third day I was like okay my ass is sore my <laughs> hands are getting calluses I've seen a lot of really cool stuff I met cool people like I feel like I'm good like I've, I've seen enough I could go home now and I'm good but that's when I started discovering the people Mm-hmm. 
and not just the views. I wasn't there just to see the views. I started interacting with the people. And that's when everything changed and my experience changed. Yeah. But <clears throat> did any of any of you it does make a big difference right like um farouk and raju right mm -hmm. so over the past year raju last year spoke maybe three words of english and this and he didn't understand anything either you know sometimes you can understand but not speak the language sure. but he couldn't do either last year um and this year he had such uh, expanded vocabulary and he understood i think a lot like most of everything what we said um, so that was impressive and so we could communicate with him this year so that was fun and then Farouk like he was so quiet right like and he kind of reminded me of um, Lurch right <laughs> um, and then until like I started talking to him through Raju or through Moine and then he's like super friendly and you know he's like I've got a baby on the way in a month and he's got other kids showing pictures you know and the personality comes out it's almost like they wait for you to say hey like i want i'm interested in you yeah. and then when you show that interest they're more than willing to share yep. that was another really cool experience that i had um when we were at babusar pass where everyone stops and you're on the top of this mountain and it's snowing and we're waiting for everyone to gather and uh these other two guys showed up on a one was on a 70 one was on a 125 loaded up with gear so i just was like wow i can't believe you're traveling on a 70 you know and um started talking with these guys and he's like oh yeah well i have a trans out but i didn't want to bring it on this trip <laughs> I'm like, what? Wow. this is what a 13 5 Summit. 13 7 13 7, 7. Yeah. this was a bit a long trip up to the yeah. top and i start talking to these two guys and we start talking about bikes and we all have a lot of similar bikes oh, i got a cb750 and i got a this and a that and next thing you know we're pulling out our phones and showing pictures nice. of our bikes like like kids. Like, like kids yes and now we're friends on facebook <laughs> and it's like it's nice. so cool and then i ran into them again at a gas station in another town so it was mm. cool experiences like that so so tyler and he's and uh anything uh, new discovered for you in terms of um mental toughness or developing anything i i, I know tyler this is kind of like your first big thing right uh no like, i no? i rode um i don't know more than ten thousand miles okay in a four-month period um like i mentioned earlier from yeah. okay u.s doesn't count the roads are too nice yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah um well then then no <laughs> if that's the criteria then no As a, i i think uh, yeah, maybe what you're getting at, Knock, is is everyone else here feel like they want to do more international travel right. now? Oh, or yeah. dual sport. Yeah. I yes. think that um, last year, like, I was like, I want to buy a dual sport as soon as I got home. <clears throat> because you realize, like, <clears throat> being on the roads is really awesome. But then when you get off the roads, there's yeah. so much more you can explore. Yeah, paved uh, roads are so limited, in, especially around here. You know? Yeah, definitely. So that's one thing I want to go do utah canyonlands next year uh just more dual starting i would say that um it definitely increased my confidence as a ride um, both to do long trips and also as you said to go off road yeah. um so i got home and i basically immediately flew to south dakota and bought a big gs because, <laughs> <laughs> like uh within like a couple weeks of being back i think yeah um so yeah i would say it definitely increased my confidence both to do the long trips and to um go off-road on things that shouldn't necessarily go off-road. Ask me after Thanksgiving weekend. <laughs> Where are you LA, going? L.A. Barstow to Vegas. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, you know, it was kind of a segue. Yeah, it stacks up. 
a, a question I was going to ask is, and it kind of goes into the up the butt category that we do here on the podcast, but if you could go back there with a bike that you wanted to take, like what bike would you want to take? I, I get that the Pakistani bikes are part of the experience, right? And I don't think you can have that experience without riding those bikes, right? But if you <clears throat> want to go back again, if you could take one bike to make that trip with, what bike would you bring? To be honest... Um, I think that if I was on any on those roads, if I was on any bike other than a little 125, I would have killed myself. Yeah, like ten times over. Like kind of prevailing I, thought with us too. Even yeah. even, even if I had been like on a KLR 250 or something, I would have like with like a little bit of extra power, I would have gone head on into a truck. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, uh, yes, I would love to take like a uh, DRZ or a KLR. Some, or maybe the Transalp. There are a bunch of people on Transalps, and those looked pretty perfect, to be honest. I would like to say that you think that a CG125 isn't the perfect bike for anything. But in fact, it actually worked really well for the roads we're on. Easton loved it so much that he got it in his crawl that he wanted to buy one and dismantle it and send it back to California. I wanted to take it on the plane with me uh, as a carry-on. <laughs> of which I was banging my head like, no, no, I, I this mentioned is not the a same good thing. Idea. I wanted to bring it home and put it on my wall. Yeah, like this is not a good. Why, why isn't it a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I thought it was interesting that you guys were with someone riding a GS that had a major snafu, right? That a suspension yeah. brake on a GS where these well, but all of, were all of our bikes except for mine had snafus too. Yeah. So. But I mean, you have a Beamer GS, you know, that you think is the bike to take around the world. And they had a bolt snap and put them out. Well, um, but I, and the reason I told Easton I said that it, it's a bad idea is these bikes back home are a piece of junk. You, you're not going to use it for anything, or then go, then go into the corner store. Yet here, it's amazingly functional. And yeah, I'm the big bikes. Um, so we're tri- riding with people on um, Transalps and um, and uh, Africa. There was a, uh, yeah the Transalps and the GS. On the straightaways, they would overtake us. On the downhills or the dirt or the curves, we would overtake them on our little bikes. And even on the straightaways, somehow Sonny and Moyne passed them all. <laughs> so yeah. you're, if you had a choice next trip back, Liza, you'd take the same motorcycle? I really was looking else. forward to having that experience of riding what they ride. Because that made it, I think, a, a unique... Authentic. Liza's Authentic. crazy, that's why. I think the bikes were perfect, too. Um, and it, it had a big enough seat for my ass. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's the important. seats could be more comfortable after, you know, 10-hour days. But um, I have a 230, a CRF 230. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking on some of those dirt portions, like going up to the thin road and then, like, <clears throat> DSI Plains. And, like, I was like, man, my 230 would be so amazing here. So, like, but, but then it's not a road bike at all, right? So... Yeah. It, it's like, well, if I were going back to do only dirt, if I were going to stay in the mountains and I wasn't doing the KKH and whatnot, I think I'd take the 230 because um, they're just little tractors, right? right. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, the 125, you know, I, I think it just needed better tires um, and, you know, suspension, of course. But I think tires, good tires would make all the like world of difference. Well, let's say they're, they're one biggest flaw, though was going up a mountain yeah where the mechanics wouldn't reject it i'm like hey oh, yeah, uh, we, we I, had lots of arguments about the, that can i open up the air box can i do this no 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 they're explaining about the timing and the mm-hmm. arc and blah blah blah, blah. And i'm like can i just open it please well like moine said they 
don't so, usually go into the mountains, so they don't think that they're used to treating bikes for the city. Yeah. So right. they have all these issues up there that they don't think about normally. So know. you know that was the issue. So when we were up at the peaks and Kundra Pass was sixteen. 15.5, something like that. How fast were we going up near the top? Oh, man. Uh, I thought my bike was going to turn off. Maybe <laughs> seven miles an hour? If that. <laughs> yeah, maybe like It was painful. Five. You could barely mm. catch second gear. Oh, you couldn't. It was right. first gear pinned. Um, yeah. And then climbing up to Babasar uh, Pass, mm-hmm. we came up the backside so that we'd go down into Naran. Um, and doing those switchbacks right before the top, my bike was like, I don't know what you're trying to do with me, but <laughs> this is not happening. I mean, it was it was puttering up the hill just barely. Liza and I had a fairly brief, um, like, six mile an hour race. Um, <laughs> yeah, Scott, Scott, Scott and I had a little, a little race getting up there. Uh, yeah, yeah the like. F- Forty pounds of spotting you uh, helped you out. Yeah, yeah. Being light, <laughs> being light on that bike, and being able to tuck in and draft, and uh, definitely had an advantage in that country. So, like, okay, uh, what did what did it like to be an ambassador to of the United States? I mean, like, did you kind of prep yourself mentally for that at all, or it's kind of a? I now know what Angelina Jolie feels like. <laughs> <laughs> now I know. You I know. No, would you all agree? It was like being a celebrity. Everywhere you went, people would appear, want to talk to you, have mm, pictures yes. with you. Yeah. It was it was odd. Now I know what it's like traveling uh, you know, as a celebrity. I I enjoyed it and it was amazing if you interacted with them. Yep. How much like oh. I have people wanted to chat, I'd chat with them if they wanted to take a picture, I'd take a picture. It's yeah. like, you yeah. know. Yeah. I don't know. I got over it a little bit. I don't like like just, last year. Natalie was on the tour and um, Sonara, Sunny's wife, and so I, I think I didn't realize how much of the attention we divided up between us three females. Mm. Um, but being the only girl on this trip, uh, the attention was uh, overwhelming at times. Like I would have, we'd be at the gas station and a truck full of guys would stop and literally park three feet away from me and just stare <laughs> and i'm just like i just turn around because <laughs> it's so awkward and like i was waiting for tyler at one point because we stopped you know we go into the gas station and we went to the back gas uh, pump right so mm-hmm. you can see us from the road so i'm waiting out by the road and i see tyler coming and at the same time there's this lorry full of men and they slow to a crawl just enough that tyler's on the other side of the lorry and, I was and goes right past and i'm like fuck yeah. i was like like I'm trying to wave them on, but of course that you know they don't get that, and so then I have to go and get on my bike and chase after Tyler, and he's like, I thought I saw you, but you know I didn't. Um, so like everyone is really friendly, really respectful, um, but I started leaving my helmet on at stops because I just like it's energy, you know. Yeah, sure. Um, but um, I I thought it was funny. Like we stopped at a checkpoint and I left my helmet on, and the guard. Like was like one of the guards was looking at me while they're you know the other ones were talking to Moyne, and I see him like kind of do a side glance, and then I see him like look at my shoe and do a double take because you know I have like a size six and a half foot right, <laughs> so small boot, and he kind of does a double take and then he like looks up at me and then he like does like his eyes widen <laughs> as he realizes I'm a girl, Ooh, you know, yes. it's just really it's funny, um, but yeah, so the attention was polite, but 
How about that guy that told Sonny to tell you to slow down? Yeah. Yeah, I think he said the little fat guy. (laughs) I was like, hey, it's my gear, asshole. Yeah, tell the little fat boy to slow down. Yeah. Um, I got scolded for riding too fast. So I I also wanted to share, I think, one of my other favorite rides that was with Eason. Because he became my riding buddy on a lot of it. Near the end of the trip, where we had gotten really used to just taking risks, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> when we Did were coming back, where, what's the uh, town where Bin Laden was? Abbottabad. Abbottabad, where the gas station was. Yeah. Coming down out of the mountains to towards Abbottabad um, in rush hour. Yeah. So we're talking rickshaws goats lorries small cars every motorcycles on, on pedestrians way, on your way to murray between and, the bottom and on your way to murray right yeah 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 that section there oh my gosh yeah. um and moin and sunny took off like ha ah, cackling right yeah. they just <laughs> took off so eason and i started just taking off splitting lanes taking the there don't aren't really sidewalks but the left side i remember one time like oh here comes a, there's a big truck and easton's going to try and pass on the right so i'm going to pass on the left and i'm going up the left and then the truck starts to turn into the driveway and i'm like sliding in the dirt and come mm-hmm. back around and then it was like easton and i just trying to pass each other and just taking way too many risks like holding your elbows in and shooting down the middle of oncoming traffic and then flowing traffic yeah like imagine lane splitting on like the wrong side of the freeway um, <laughs> yeah it felt like that it wasn't exactly like that but it was pretty close and the, it was about as dangerous to you forgot honest. the goats and donkeys oh, and yes. things that can step out at any point in time yes. the kids or whatever in my mind i had no fear it was like i was playing a video game it was like frogger frogger <laughs> meets what's the i'm stealing your car bitch oh, grand, grand theft, theft auto, auto. Grand it was frogger meets grand theft auto i felt like i was playing a video game and you're just you're looking ahead at all the cars and the way they're moving and you're plotting a course and like i can see eason coming up behind me and i'm gonna block him and i'm gonna pass this and we're also trying to pass each other while this all this is happening so it's like a, we're competing to see who can take more risks, and it's almost like a you know psychological like disassociation. Like it doesn't even feel real. You're just like you're you're just you're you're moving so like honestly again all this is happening at like you know 30 40 50 oh no 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 no. well some of it was like the really in traffic super technical like we're driving on the sidewalk trying Mm -hmm. to pass each other like while there's a truck on the sidewalk trying to pass a different truck and then there's a bicyclist like there and then there's a you know goat that's trying to pass (laughs) the bicyclists and who knows what's going on no one knows what's going on maybe the goat knows what's going on did you (laughs) you guys do something like that um oh yeah lane splitting is probably one of my favorite activities yes. i commute every day on my cbr so i'm used to eight i go up and down 880 every day um, oh man and so i feel like lane splitting is where i really shine <laughs> because i love it it's really engaging it's really mentally stimulating um i like you said it's kind of like you disassociate you're just kind of like i'm gonna do this it, there's no real conscious like should i do this it's more instinct right turns into math doesn't it um yeah it's mm. it's just awesome and yeah. and so like i know some people don't didn't like riding in the cities in pakistan but i really loved it um and i will i yeah. will say i'm proud of the fact that i actually made moin nervous because <laughs> you know how he rides right yeah. and yeah. we are splitting in iran and there were jeeps and i i uh split 
through two Jeeps. And then when we stopped, he's like, what were you doing back there? And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, I can't believe you split through those two Jeeps. And I was like, it wasn't even close. And he's like, no, no, you could have died. Like, And the fact that I upset Moyne was like, I was proud of myself. Because <laughs> nothing upsets Moyne, you know. It's kind of important to note that we weren't your average Pakistan motorcyclists. Right. I mean, like people would turn their heads in the villages as we came through the villages but not because of how we looked they heard us coming and they knew that's fast that's different we don't right they just like this is so they're they're turning their heads to us as we're oncoming you know we don't we weren't like the rest of the country i have to say riding with sunny and moine i was having so much fun on this trip because I thought this is an amazing experience. There's no rules of the road or or speed limits. Sounds like the Bay oh, Area. Actually. Yeah. Guess what? There are. They were just fucking ignoring them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh yeah. Lights yeah. don't matter. They completely ignored yeah. it. So I'm just thinking this is a giant hooligan ride through this entire country. <laughs> yes. Well, you, you, you get a stack of get out of jail free cards. And, you know, uh, Oh, at one point, Ben, myself, and Jim, we're uh, riding, and we're in a groove, like, we're clipping along, and Sonny said that when he went through a checkpoint, we didn't stop, um, because they didn't wave us down, so, like, why are we going to stop, right? But they waved Sonny down, and then they yelled at him for his friends going too fast, because they they knew we were traveling together, because we're the only people in gear, right? Yeah. And so he got yelled at, and (laughs) he passed that along to us. Tyler, did you have any crashes? Um, I crashed three times, <laughs> actually. None were very serious. Um, the first one was coming down from the thin road, and uh, my rear wheel hit a, a large rock that was embedded in the road and slid out to the right, which threw my front end down to the left, and I somersaulted over the handlebars um, in the rocks. It's probably only going, I don't know, maybe, prob- probably not even 10 miles an hour. Um, but the, the worst one, I guess, um, I landed on my uh, forearm, and that kind of gave me some bruising for a couple days. Um, the most disappointing one, though, was when we were going up to uh, Babasur Top, and uh, there was a, a bridge with metal plates for the... Yeah, mm. the bridges were Oh, sketchy. my God. Yeah. I saw this. I came through before Tyler, and I was like, yeah. and it There's got, like a yeah, gap yeah. between the plates. It's huge. And I didn't see it until it was too late, and it, it broke the the video camera off of my helmet, so I didn't get to film coming down from Babasar Top into uh, Naran. So that was the most disappointing, but... I came through there, I saw that thing, and all I did is I just grabbed the bars, lifted, gassed it, and prayed. And, you mm-hmm. know, I was totally disappointed to hear that that thing got you, man, because yeah. it was a tire swallower. Didn't you see your front tire, like, go physically Yeah, I, it? I yeah. watched it go into, the, the, tire into the gap. The gap. <laughs> yeah. And... You know, I said how it felt like there were no laws or anything. Apparently, there were. However, I want to share another story where we kind of got a pass. Um, At the end of the trip, we turned in our bikes, and we all got into the Jeep, which is what? I think a 1963 Jeep. That's kind of 62, and it's extended. We didn't all fit in the Jeep. There was actually quite a few people on the outside of the Jeep and on top of the Jeep. And we were traveling through is Islamabad, which is the main city in Pakistan. And just we, a little traffic, you know. We go through a checkpoint mm. and they wave us over. And he comes over to Moyne and asks for his license, which he gives him his California license and he speaks in English and he says, Is there a problem, officer? And 
He's pointing at all the people hanging off of the car, which apparently <laughs> is not legal in the city. All right. And Moyne said, oh, I'm sorry, but you see, these are foreigners, and I'm just showing them a good time. And the officer then nodded his head and just waved us on. <laughs> like, I went, what? <laughs> when, what country does this work? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Sure. That was like, what? We flat out ditched the cops like one day. They were trying to chase us down so hard in their truck with their sirens oh, going yeah. because, you know, they had to escort us and do their job. And they're, you know, but we've just ditched them. It was amazing. Going down. Yeah, we were coming down in the truck of cops passed me and like they wave at me and I'm just like I didn't see him (laughs) (laughs) my visor is way too tinted for that (laughs) and then Jim was behind me I was like they're probably gonna get Jim but I'm going and um, oh they radioed ahead there was like another dude like trying to make a turn after she you know it was amazing yeah Yeah. so we got down and then another cop or truck full of cops passed me and they apparently flipped a bitch because they (laughs) were radioed about us right and so then when we stopped um, Moyne you know charmed them right and uh, oh and then one of the cops gave me the thumbs up on my right. way out. He kept like going like thumbs up, you know, like he was proud of me for riding. <laughs> I was like, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I, it was it was it was fun. I mean, it was a an amazing experience. And and this is an opportunity I want to take to announce some upcoming dates because. Moyne did announce he's going to do one trip next year. Nice. Cool. This is going to be in October of 2016. He's going to do one group. <clears throat> this is an opportunity. If somebody wants to have this experience, I recommend it. I think everyone here says go. I mean, three of you went. Go. Again. Is there a cap on how many people or the group is? Or probably not? There or? is. He only has so many bikes. Yeah. Right. I think, I think like 10. Six bikes. Oh, that's, I think that's ten a good number, most. man. We had four travelers. How many did you have? Six? Five. 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 This trip, Five. Nine last year. Um. Wow. It's an amazing trip. I'm not sure of the prices he's going to charge, but the prices this year were twelve fifty a, a, a week. That's including food, lodging, um, checkpoint, and like gas. A, a gas. Compared to any other Himalayas tour, it's it's extremely it's underpriced. Moyne is not running a business; he's showing his friends around. About exactly. a third, and the other trips don't even include like all the stuff he included. And if you look around, you'll find them to be at least three thousand a week. I would point out that it would cost you at least twelve fifty each way to ship like a DR three fifty or DR two fifty or whatever. Because you looked into it, because I looked into it, it would cost you. A lot, yeah. What he's got here is just—it's amazing. Just do it when he's doing it. The other thing that's pretty cool that I'm working with Moyne on right now, um, being a woman over there, knowing that you know Jeanette and Rebecca had and and Naomi, Natalie, Natalie, sorry, Natalie had really cool experiences, and a lot of people think being a woman over there, this would be a hard trip to do. Uh, far from that, and. When I learned, you know, shortly after my trip, I learned about uh, Zenith Urfan. Have you, I th- uh, the three wheel, two wheels, one girl. Yes, this is a Pakistani woman who went off on her own bike and rode basically the same route we did. Nice, and it made international news. Nice, it made CNN. It made all these things, and I was like, wait a minute, um. We all did the same route. What's the... Oh, wait a minute. This is a Pakistani woman who did it. We were Americans. We had a pass. Um, 
what a big deal it is for a Pakistani woman to do it. And in her story of how she got like her brother or her father, somebody like taught her how, and her mom is that type of person who's like, do whatever you want, I'll support you. Cool. Um, and I realized what a huge deal it is for a woman to do it. Because women can't even ride on the back with their legs apart. They have to ride side saddle with their legs off to one side. Um, so I talked to Moyne about this. I thought it would be really awesome in 2017 to do an all-female trip, to have uh, female Americans and to kind of sponsor and be accompanied by some Pakistani women where we can be the role models and the support that they don't have from their community and present that opportunity to them. Um, we may even have to teach him how to ride, or, or Moyne would do that. I'm not sure. But he loved that idea of taking this another step. Um, so in 2017, I'm putting together an all-female Sounds group. Um, so, yeah, people can contact me, and I will put Moyne's email address, which is... A different agenda at gmail.com. There you go. If anyone is interested in going trips... Uh, cannot recommend it enough because you have to remember this is not a trip anyone that many people are doing this is an opportunity it really is and i don't know do you all feel that you've been changed by this trip do you think i I feel like my eyes have opened to other other places yeah the world's so much bigger right well actually pakistan made me feel like the world's so much smaller like i could go everywhere you know, once you go to Pakistan, it's like, what, what's there to feel intimidated by, right? Um, I, I think I said this last in last year's interview, like, I came back from Pakistan last year totally changed. Like, I yeah. wasn't mm-hmm. scared of anything. I felt like I could do anything. Um, just riding here was different for me. Uh, the potholes here, the, the grates on the bridges here, like they were nothing mm-hmm. anymore. All the things that made me nervous before were nothing. Traffic here is so orderly compared to Pakistan that it's not <clears throat> scary anymore. Um, and and I, I know I can speak for Natalie when I say her life was changed. She ended up selling her business and buying a cabin in Montana. Um, She lived in Southern California before and she just decided like she didn't want to do the rat race anymore. And she wanted to focus more on quality, right? Quality Mm -hmm. over quantity. And she moved and she's happy and you know, it's just a different lifestyle. And I think that was all due to Pakistan. That was my one concern going on this trip of what would be changed afterwards. Tyler, how about you? Do you have any trips planned now? Have you been pumped Um, up? I hadn't done a big trip um, for a few years, um, so it was really good to get out again. I've traveled um, to several different countries over the past years, and um, I definitely, you know, am always looking for opportunities to uh, learn about new cultures and um, experience new foods and, you know, just visit places that I haven't been. Um, So, yeah, definitely... um, and kind of like you said, Rebecca, it's, you know, Pakistan is kind of intimidating. Um, and if you can, you know, if you can do it in Pakistan, yeah, then you can probably do it in almost any other country, I would say. How about you, Scott? You got anything planned that you want to do? Nothing definite. Uh, what, What's between, on your bucket list? Between the two Pakistans, we, Rebecca and I, and some other people went to Nicaragua, and that was pretty yeah. cool. But uh, Pakistan, it's at the bar so high. Pakistan you know. set the bar extremely high. Yeah. 
but so you know, there was nothing for it but to go back to Pakistan. But uh, yeah, I'd like to do, go riding in South America. So I'm kind of yeah. Well, into Eason's that. got the bike to do it now. He's ready to huh. hit the trails. And uh, yeah, so and I'm putting together a DR350, sort of make it into an adventure bike. Yeah, I started turning my Versus into more of an adventure. I put some engine guards on it. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it feels cool, man. Yeah. I don't know. And um, I know we've gone way over time, so it's the last opportunity if anyone wants to share stories. I know that I had a hard time adjusting to my bike when I came back. It felt like a giant pig, and I kept shifting wrong, and yep. I was like, Ugh, it took me a couple rides to <clears throat> feel comfortable again. Anyone else have any stories you want to share? Last stories? One time uh, on the last night, we were driving back, and uh, my headlight went out halfway through. <laughs> um, and, oh, yeah. <laughs> so all of a sudden, it was just like, nope, no light, zero light. We're in the mountains of Pakistan. Nothing. Wow. Uh, Riding to Murray on that mountain twisty road, no headlight. Moyne had no tail light or brake light and sunny had no tail light yeah that sounds so. about right on our car <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's, his rear end. it's pitch black like at night here pitch say, black. In, in santa cruz there's a lot of ambient light mm-hmm. and you can actually see pretty well but in <clears throat> pakistan it's just pitch black so i actually um when that happened i remembered a story that liza told um about her bmw touring bike that had oh, electrics yeah. go out and the way she solved that was she turned on her or she, a blinker went off and so basically i went through um and turned on a blinker and that's that yeah was- i remember because i said <laughs> follow me i'll be your light but i need to know i haven't lost you off a cliff so Put your turn signal on. So I was just checking my mirror and just seeing this bleep, boop, bleep, <laughs> That's smart. And, so every, and yeah. yeah, so we rode together and I just led him, which was still sketchy because at one point there was a car oncoming. Duh. So I went to turn my high beam to low beam and I accidentally turned my headlight off. <laughs> so now the two of us are riding in the dark, coming up to a curve on a mountain road, and I'm fumbling where's the switch where's the switch it may have been three seconds total but it felt like an eternity what would you lights are on (laughs) when they take their hand and they take their fingers and people because nobody runs with their lights on in the country at all you know it's like even at nighttime guys are turning their lights off going through town and like what are you thinking and all the cars have theirs on high beams and they do not turn them off they do not turn them on to low when you're coming up so like you're momentarily blinded by that lorry or like especially the big trucks have like multiple sets of lights on them and they were killer and ben had a tinted shield um (laughs) and he didn't have a clear shield so when we got caught in the dark a few times we kind of had to gather the troops and and make sure that he had someone that would kind of stick with him you know so that he could see the road because even with the clear shield it is dark out there and the the road is so hazardous that like you know you can get away with riding with a tinted shield here at night on the freeway but there it's just it's really different (laughs) dangerous so yeah so just in wrapping up i want to remind everyone i urge you to contact us or moine and and take this opportunity and just remember he's not doing this for business he doesn't make money he costs him money but he is like an ambassador to pakistan which by the way too i didn't realize Till I was there, he's kind of famous, and it's people kind of were famous. coming up to him mm-hmm. and asking for photos and and stuff. He's all no, 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 no time, no time. I have these idiots <laughs> to take around the country. <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, it, you should do this. 
you should definitely do this i i can only tell you that i know that there's every time there are people who sign up for the trip and back out at the last minute and rebecca you almost didn't yeah. go on the trip it, well i yeah it's the three weeks of my job because i work at a tax firm we all have jobs we all yeah. have families we all have lives it's so hard to leave i committed to it like the year before and just i may lose my job i may what you know my world may fall apart but my friends and family and co-workers are gonna have to take care of it because hell or high water i'm going on this trip <laughs> and that was kind of what i adopted but I, I want to thank all y'all for coming down. Even though we weren't there together, I do feel like we hmm. have this shared experience. Yes. Yeah, totally. It, it's the Moyne thing. There's something about that charismatic little goofy guy that is just... Uh, and do it now, because last year there weren't any tourists at all. But this year there were Chinese, there were Germans, there were less checkpoints. There was It was easier to travel. In the Hunza region alone, on 9-11, there were 20,000 foreigners in just that area. That's how popular this area was. So it's going to happen again. It's a famous, beautiful part of the world, and people are going to come back. I suggest you do it now before everybody does, so you get it to yourself. And don't don't worry about everything you hear. That was something when I was there, you realize they're aware that it's not just Americans, Australians, the British. Um, everyone we picked up had no plans of staying there because all the Western society gets the same information about the dangers there that I thought were very far from the truth. I know that there's things that it's based upon, but once we were there i i felt like they knew that we had the wool pulled over our eyes and that's why they were thanking us for ignoring that and coming anyway definitely and um just a beautiful place it was like riding through yosemite for two weeks you know <laughs> just amazing so on that note i think we're going to wrap this up and y'all want to go out and get something to eat yeah, sure. Yeah, because there's so many more stories. There's so many more stories, but we can share those out at dinner. So this has been a long podcast. I want to thank everyone for sticking with us and getting this far. Zach, you want to tell people how to reach us? You can find us online at MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com, on Facebook at Recycle Santa Cruz. Send us an email at RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com. You can call and leave us a voicemail at... 831-291-5112. <laughs> five one one two she's pointing her finger at me <laughs> and we would like to for somebody to leave us an, a nice new intro we haven't had any good ones yeah that'd in be a very while. cool so on that note we're ready to get out of here this is eliza i am zach this is knock Jason, tyler rebecca scott jim jim and in the peanut gallery we've still got philip hanging with us <laughs> he's about to but fall asleep <laughs> we are out of here thanks everyone Bye. cool cool cool, cool.